but I left 100 degrees, so it wasn't very difficult, you know, <laughs> to feel the motivation to come up and join you guys. But uh, I'm excited to be here. We had a great meeting yesterday. Churches and ministries gathered along the western slope. We gathered in Montrose, uh, which has kind of been a good central location for us many times, but you could just sense that what was being shared was timely. I feel like a lot of the folks who were there, and and I think even you guys as a ministry, are at a place where it's important to evaluate where you are, so you can see where you are in the context of where you're going. And, uh, you know, I like to do that regularly with my own life, just kind of a, evaluate my calling to make some determinations as to if I'm hitting the mark or if I'm in a rut. How many have ever found yourself in a rut and you just really weren't moving forward? Well, I want to talk today about the idea of transition if I can, because transition is one of those, one of those things that be the most challenging, and yet our character is most defined in those times of transition. You know, the Bible says we, we go from glory to glory, right? But the big part of the story is that speck of time, which is longer than glory. And it's called transition. It's, it's that in-between point where we're being poured out and we haven't yet entered into the new. We're just kind of in free fall. And, you know, if you're in the early parts of that and you've just kind of come to a plateau in your life and, and you know that you're passing over and you're coming into that transition point, that's the most difficult time. And especially if you've come through some of that transition and you're like halfway through it and not quite through to the other side and you know that there's promises that are lingering. And you know that God has said something. He's spoken to you. He's put something in your heart. He's put a dream in you, but yet you don't know how to get there. You just know you're stuck. You're kind of in that transitionary point. And so I wanted to to go through and walk us through in the Word just a little bit. So if you would, guys, turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 16 and verse 9. While you're turning there, or clicking there, however you look at your Bible, um, I want to say, just read a sentence to you. Waiting is a dangerous time, because it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that God has passed you by, when actually He is opening a wide door and bringing pieces into alignment on your behalf. See, it's all perspective. Don't blow the waiting process by falling into unbelief. Some of the hardest times in my life was when I was waiting for God to fulfill what He had promised. And in those times, I failed that process miserably a time or two by being pitiful, by being disappointed, by by being playing the blame game with me and God and others and living that victim mentality. Because when we get to that point where we don't know how to execute the future and if God doesn't show up, we're in big trouble. 
All we only choice we have is to look around at our natural circumstances and figure out what's wrong. God, me, or something around me, right? And and learning how to trust God in the midst of those times is really what determines our maturity. You know, I I know there have been a few times where I was passing the test really well till I came up against the wall, and it's like just as if the grace lifted or or I left the grace. And uh, and all of a sudden, I just begin to murmur and complain and get disappointed and get critical. And, you know, that never does see you through very far, does it? In fact, it, it actually breeds an atmosphere that is contagious when we get in that place where we're dissatisfied. And so, in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, it says, For a great door, an effectual door, is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. I want you to see that in regard to your calling. As you're you're in that journey moving forward into the promise God has for you, the enemy is aligned to keep you from succeeding. He's aligned to keep you out of your destiny, to keep you out of the purposes of God because He knows if He can keep you in that journey and cause you to enter into that place of of being pitiful or being uh, frustrated or being defeated or, 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 or just a place even of bitterness, He can keep you in that place forever. Because you have to somehow rise above your situation to see how God is moving on your behalf. Otherwise, you can get so critically sighted that when God actually opens up that door, you don't even see it. All you see is the fog around you. Am I making a little sense here? All right. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Because we have to understand and we have to actually stand firm and in confidence. Knowing that God is moving on our behalf. Do you know that God is for you and not against you? Do you really know that? Because unbelief is believing that God might not be for me. He might be like some of the dads that I've seen in the past. Or some of the leaders I've seen in the past. Who weren't for my good. They were out to actually take advantage of me and exploit or they were out to utilize me, but not love me the way a father should. Are you hearing this? I don't know what you experienced growing up or, or in the churches or ministries that you've been a part of, but God is an incredible dad. He's the dad we, we all wish we grew up with. But we have a tendency to view him through the filter of what we've experienced. And because we view him through the filter of what we've experienced... It's easy to fall into unbelief and double guess his motivation. Because, I mean, he's God. He can do anything he wants. He's in charge. And so it's a leap for us to move into faith and believe that he's for our good. But if we don't believe he's for our good, then we can't actually enter into the faith that we're supposed to. So let's look at this scripture here. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later... Receive as an inheritance, he obeyed and went. And even though he did not know where he was going, by faith, in the lived in tents, 
heirs with him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. It's really difficult for you to make a move and you don't see where you're going. You only see you got a shift. It's really difficult. And especially if you're one of those people who's very calculated. It's very difficult for you to make the leap in faith. Even though God has said it's time to transition. It's time to move into the new. Most people or many people. When you remove the God factor. They want to see their course charted before they begin the journey. I mean how, how many of you are like that when you go on vacation? You've got the whole thing planned out. You know, we're going to stop here for gas. We're going to stop here for lunch. We're to stop here for dinner. And we're going to stop in a park over here to let the dogs go to the bathroom. You've got the whole thing planned out. And then there's the other part of you that are like, let's just go and have fun and be spontaneous. Which one are you? Because whichever one you are really determines... How difficult it is for you to trust God driving your car. I mean, be honest. Can you trust Him and His motivation? Abraham had to do that and it was counted to him as righteousness because he didn't just do it. He took his whole family and he said, we're supposed to leave. We're supposed to head somewhere. I talked to, uh, when we were driving through Dallas Divide the other day, I had a spiritual son who had grown up with us in ministry and neat neat kid who had just really was in the lord loved the lord had a little rocky time ended up uh getting married to a gal who really wasn't seeking the lord and he ended up divorced and long story but the the cool thing is he'd come all full way around full circle and really serving the lord seeking god about his life and his calling and He's right at that place where he feels like God's challenging him to make a move. And I had posted something on my website about, you know, being careful to respond to the Lord when he tells you it's time to shift. Because the life of Jonathan is a picture of someone who knew shift was coming, but he tarried and didn't shift and ended up dying in the house of Saul when he knew David was called to bring in the new thing. It was a real sad story about Jonathan and this young boy's name just happened to be Jonathan and he read my blog and he was thinking about making the leap and moving to Nashville and starting a business and doing some things. And There was a church down there he was excited about connecting to but it was scary. Even though he felt all that and he sensed the Lord was in it, he was scared and when he read my blog he gave me a call and he said, David, I just... I really feel like that gave me the nudge that I was already hearing the Lord say that it's time to shift. And, you know, because some of us, we just need the confidence to know that God is on our side. And we need to know how to trust Him. But how do we press into faith? Truth, true faith, if you will, requires faith and not only hope. You know, we can't just have a dream or hope for something. If you're a believer, you know that faith comes from something. It comes from something biblically. It says faith comes from hearing the voice of God. So faith comes from hearing God. And it starts there. It's like that's the seed when God speaks. Then we have to respond to it. And sometimes that that takes some courage. Like Abraham. And I don't know where God's challenging you right now. I don't know in your life what He's 
you know, nudging you to move toward. But chances are it's going to take faith to get there. Chances are it's going to take faith. And that starts by hearing. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, this is a good one. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is. That's pretty simple. Most people can, can do that. But look at the next part. And that is, He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He's for our good. He's for our good. If we believe that, He's for our good, then when He says, okay, go with me, just trust me, just come with me, and He begins to speak to us about where we need to head, there's an expectancy and excitement in us because the adventure is tied to the fact that He's good and we're willing to take that leap because we know He's good. But we know that all of us have struggled with faith at times. I mean, he, you remember the parable where he had, he had distributed specific talents to different people, and to one he gave like five talents, another ten, you know, another one talent. And, and he came back and he was uh, getting a report based upon what they had done with what they had been given. How many of you have heard that parable before? And in the parable of the talents, it's really telling because he goes to the first one and he says, what you've given me I have utilized and I have multiplied and now I have twice that. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. And he went to the next one who he had given just half that amount to, who had done the same thing where he, he used that talent, he multiplied it, and it produced something. It doubled. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he came to the third one who had only been given the, the one talent. And this was what the third one said. He said, I knew you were a hard man. Let me say that again. I knew you were a hard man. Now, is, is God a hard man? You know the answer to that or not. And regardless of what religious answer you give, you know how you feel in your emotions. Is he a hard man or not? He said, I know you're a hard man. You reap where you haven't sown. And so I took that talent and I buried it in the ground because I was scared. I was scared that I might lose it and I didn't want to disappoint you. And he said, that was not good. And he, and he said, take what he's been given and give it to one who will use it properly. Wow. I mean, think about that. What was the problem in this scenario is crystal clear. He didn't know who God was. He didn't know that God was just wanting to see him take what had been given and multiply it to step into faith and enjoy that journey. But fear, fear captures us and it keeps us locked into this place where we don't want to dis displease God so we don't really engage faith the way we should. So instead... We live in this idea of trying not to do wrong rather than doing right, which is obeying what He says. And there's nothing worse than living a life trying not to do wrong. I mean, how pitiful is that? 
it's very simply defined as legalism. Legalism is tied to a religious spirit which is really hangs around and snuff the life out of us. It's not good for us whatsoever. But he said, I would rather obedience rather than sacrifice. You see, this, this duty-bound Christianity where we try to do enough to please God, that's not the point. That's not the point. You know, and certainly if we don't act at all and we live in fear, then we're not moving in the obedience that He has for us. We've got to be able to take the leap from time to time. I think the Lord has a few of you in that place where He's saying it's time to take a leap. Faith is initiated when we hear the voice of God, but faith has this testing process about it. And that's really the crux of the matter. What does it mean to pass the test of faith? When God has promised and we've engaged, we've engaged the processes, we've shifted out of yesterday, we're headed toward tomorrow, how do we do that and be happy people? Because here's the definition of success. It's not arriving to your destination. Success is how you journeyed along the way. Success is how you passed the test. You see, God is not up there saying, what did you do for me? He's up there saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Let me say that again. Well done, good and faithful. What does it mean to be good? To be in right standing with God. To, to, to have our sins dealt with. And for, our, for us to keep our heart open to His voice and be sensitive to His voice. That's simple, but what does it mean to be faithful? That means we're in that place where we're hearing Him. And we're responding to His voice. Okay? So, we have this idea that if I don't do some great thing for God, then I'm insignificant. That's the glory. If we don't have some glory that we can define and say, look what we did, God. I built a church, or I built a business, or I built a ministry, or I've got this perfect family. I've got, I've got this whatever it is that, that is in your heart. There's this idea that if I don't, if I don't get to that pinnacle in my life, if, if I don't reach that place of glory, then my life is a failure. It's easy to fall into that trap. When actually success is not defined by you arriving to your destination. It's not defined because Abraham didn't get to his destination. He never got there. He never actually arrived. He just needed to head there. Because it was a generational reality that his sons and his daughters that would become as, as many as the stars that there were in heaven and as many as the sand as there was on the seashore. God was saying, I'm sending you there, but if you get so fixated upon the arrival point, you can get really messed up in the journey and disappointed in life. How many of you have got to certain plateaus in your life where you look back and you realize you wanted to do so much more? And you face that disappointment. It kind of just slaps you in the face. Like the enemy gets up and whispers in your ear, I thought you were going to be so much better than that. What happened to you? What happened? Where did you, where did you lose your way? Why, why are your peers 
running ahead of you. And, you know, and you, you looked at the successes of those who have run with you and you're like, you know, what, what happened? Well, I think the way we define success is really messed up. And part of that is due to just the humanity that we live. We're, we're all about the glory. Have you noticed that? You know, we're all about the glory. And, and we're all about that. But, you know, the movies that are the best movies and the ones that we're the most inspired by, it's not so much about people reaching their destination. It's about how they endured the trial. How they passed the test. How they did it with the right attitude and the right heart and how they did it with the right spirit. I think some of you are in that testing place right now and the Lord is saying it's time to strengthen your stance in Him and begin to trust Him in a deeper, deeper fashion. James chapter 1 verse 2 through 4. Let's turn there if we could. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. You guys are pretty quiet out there. Maybe you're pondering these ideas. (laughs) Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, that's the phrase, testing of your faith, God speaks, you respond, and it's going to be tested. You can count on it. But it produces something. The testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result. That's my word to you guys, Keith Consuela. Let endurance have its perfect result. You guys have been fighting in this last season. You've been fighting some physical things. You know, when you go through those times where you wonder what happened, where you wonder where God is, That's when the enemy visits you the strongest because he wants to convince you that God has uh, become indifferent and he doesn't really care. When in reality, God's working on your behalf. He is working on your behalf. He's maneuvering things. He's moving things out of your way. He's setting you up for greatness. But we have to trust. We have to trust. So that the proof Let's see, where was that? Various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, let it have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, I, I remember there have been certain times in my life when I've gone through trials and not all trials are there just to, just to uh, you know, challenge us and you know, we know that you got to exercise to get a muscle, right? You have to go through something. You know, I remember at the ripe old age of 17, I was being challenged by God to move into full-time ministry. And what would that look like? And I was a Baptist at the time and watching some of my peers in ministry and thinking, man, that is just way too boring. I don't think I could do that. It's going to have to be more exciting than that, God. And so I remember telling God... if. If I can't be like Paul, I don't want to do it. Little did I know that Paul had to go through some things. You see, we look at the we took look at the places where Paul arrived, you know. I mean, obviously he wrote most of the New Testament, but he did it from the jail cell. You know, he was shipwrecked, he was snake bit, he was beaten to death. I mean, you don't get raised from the dead until you die. 
It's just a fact. And so, if you're not willing to go through some things, you're not going to experience the glory. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I think sometimes we're just so unwilling to go through the things that we fall short of the glory that God wants us to experience because we haven't entered into the level of faith that God wants us to enter into because it takes some courage. It takes some willingness to let go of yesterday and move into tomorrow, even though I don't fully see it. Like Abraham, I mean, imagine him just showing up. Or Noah, hey, build a boat in the desert for your family and a bunch of animals. I'm going to save the world through you. I mean, how crazy is that? Imagine being Noah. You know? Am I hearing God? Am I not hearing God? You know, I would be like laying 15 fleeces out before the Lord, you know. Did He really say? Or just a nutcase? You know, but you have to be willing to step into destiny and faith. It's one of those challenging things that when you hear God... If you're only willing to move into it partially, that's not obedience. Or if you're only willing to move into it when it's so calculated that you can see the end from the beginning, it's not faith. That's not faith. Or I don't have it all figured out yet, so I'm just waiting. So you don't have it all figured out yet. Welcome to humanity. If you have it all figured out, God's not going to be that impressive when you get there. Can I say that again? If you have it all figured out, your testimony is going to be that big. Because you're doing it all in your strength. But David said it this way. He knew how big God was. He says, I don't trust in horses and chariots. I trust in God. I trust in God, you know. But a few times, David counted how many horses and chariots he had. And God got on his case about it. Because he was leaning on his own strength. He was leaning on what he knew. And the Bible says, don't trust in your own strength. Don't lean on your own understanding. But seek me. Seek my kingdom. David said it this way about his testing. He said, the Lord chastened me, but not unto death. I felt like David a time or two where I knew the Lord was it wasn't he was disciplining me. He was dealing with my narcissism or he was dealing with my arrogance and my pride and you know, nothing like getting something kicked out from under you and falling on your face and God being behind it. Say, so, would God ever do that? Yeah. David said it this way. I didn't die, I survived. (laughs) And God described David as a man whose heart is after me. You see, it was that real. It was that real. And look at Psalm chapter 66, verse 10 12. This is kind of David saying a few things. For you've tried us, O God. You've refined us as silver is refined. You know how silver is refined? (laughs) It's not a pretty process, it takes a lot of heat. And all of the impurities have to be burned out of that thing. All of the junk has to be refined out of that thing. And so when God turns up the heat and He's dealing with our soul, it it can be painful. We talked about it as the crucible of affliction. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about here? I don't want to live in that place. I really don't. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not masochistic in the least. I don't want to live in that place. But you have to visit that place for God to deal with you at times. Because we need to be dealt with. He's He's got to deal with that part of us that's going to keep us from moving into the next place of glory that He has for us. So where does He deal with that stuff in us? Well, it's on the next way to glory. What happens if we don't engage that process? Then we stay right in that valley of decision. We stay in that place of transition. We live in that place where the promises never are fulfilled. But keep moving forward. God is on our side. Psalm 66 verse 10 through 12 goes on to read, You laid an oppressive burden upon our loins. I don't even know what that feels like. But you may hide over our heads. We went through fire, through water, yet you brought us out into a place of abundance. So they had to go through some things, didn't they? What was David saying? He said, there's no free lunch, folks. If if life was going to be that easy, you wouldn't value it. Think about it. If you've lived long enough and you've had some ups and downs, you learn to appreciate what God has given you. I've had abundance. I mean, I've been wealthy and I've been poor. I've experienced money to the extent that I could do anything I want. And I've also had to figure out how to eat off the dollar menu at McDonald's. That's been a part of my life. You know, when I had everything I needed and everything I wanted and I could just allocate finances here and there, I didn't value hardly anything that I had. But when I was eating off the dollar menu at McDonald's, I valued everything that the Lord gave me. It's when we go through things. Are you hearing me? It's when we experience those things. And we don't want to experience those. We just want to allocate. (laughs) We just want to live in that, that, that place of bliss where everything just works out perfectly. But that's not where our testimony is going to be found. We might have a few days where it works like that, but... The most, the, the mainstay of life is going to be walked out by the step, not by the mile. It really will. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. This is where that unbelief tries to come in. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 7 says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith Everyone say proof of your faith. Yeah, see God? He's seeing what's in us. Being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, it's what you do in the journey. Are you hearing this? That determines inheritance. He's not asking what... What church did you build or what business did you build? He's asking how you treated your employees. That's what he's asking. He's asking if you stayed in the spirit while you were in the journey. Or if it was all about just just gaining some asset that you could present to God and say, look what I did. I wrote this article once. It was called Mud Pies for Jesus. How many of you have ever made a mud pie before? You know, as a child, I, you know, and I watch my kids and 
my grandkids making mud pies and fixing them all up and bringing them to look, look what I made. And I'm like, that's awesome to look at. And I'm not going to eat that. You know, it's, I know it's beautiful and everything. I feel like sometimes our best effort looks like that mud pie. And Jesus doesn't even care about the pie. He just wants to walk with us on the journey. He just wants to be a part of that process and, 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 and help us when we fall down and skin our knee and help us when we break our bone or, or something. He wants to mend us. He wants to bring us into that place of healing. He wants us to walk with Him. I mean, if the goal was just to, to build a mud pie, He could have done that without us. He could have accomplished that, right? <laughs> we only truly inherit the prize if we stay the course during refinement. Because the prize is the reward of our faith arriving to our destination. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed to the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord, the Spirit. Inheritance, it doesn't come from Glory. It comes from what you did on the journey. I like Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 where it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle. Put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When people watch you live out your life in the right way, it's inspiring. You know, my daughter-in-law recently um, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. And she's young. And I was having a, a little hard time with that. Me and God were having some pretty candid conversations. Because of all the people on the earth that I would want to take out, with cancer, she was not one of them, you know. Not that he was behind it. Don't misunderstand me. But this girl, oh, she's precious. I've watched her grow up and she just loves the Lord and His presence and just... But she's, she's the one, you know. And so we were having some pretty, pretty tough conversations, you know. We moved in with my son and daughter to help them during that time, to help pay the bills, to help accomplish some things and help be there for her. And I watched her life and all of the turmoil and will I be able to have kids? Am I, am I going to live? You know, what's going to happen to the future? And all of those things. And I watched her reconcile all that and walk it out in the most beautiful fashion and still just love the Lord. And, and she came through that thing completely. Completely. She has, she's in total remission, has no sign of in her body, and her testimony is shining and bright. You know, God has this ability to take what the enemy throws at us and make it the very thing that makes us awesome. If we walk it out right. If we, 
if we take the necessary steps. And I would not have wanted her to have to go through that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I would have chosen. I would have usurped heaven and said, no. But the father said, watch her shine brightly in the midst of the valley. Are you hearing this? Father, Lord, I ask right now that you would just cause the same spirit that was in my daughter-in-law this same longing to please you in the midst of her trial to just settle down and rest upon each of us here in this room. Lord, I don't know what everyone's going through. I know a little bit about what Ketrick and Suella are going through. And Father, I thank you that they are shining brightly in this community. Father, I thank you that they are like a city that's on a hill. And they, that they are walking in love and kindness and gentleness. In the midst of a time where others would look and say, where is your God? They're ones that would say, I know my God is not the problem. I'm going to press through this place and I'm going to shine as I'm moving forward into the next place of glory that you have for me, Father. See, that promise is exciting, and when we arrive, it's good. But Father, right now, I just ask that that you would cause courage to arise in each one. Whatever difficulty, whatever challenge they're facing, whatever place that they've moved into in their attitudes or in their disappointment, Father, I ask right now that you would you would just remind them of how good you are. You say in Jeremiah, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. They are good. They are not evil. To give you a future and a hope. So that when you seek me, you'll find me as you seek me with all your heart. God is so ready to show His faithfulness to us. Father, I ask right now that courage would arise in each one. And whatever level of of trial they're facing, that they would know how to access your grace and your love in the midst of it. In Jesus' name. So key. It's so key. I want to close with one more verse. Matthew chapter 25, verse 21 to 23. This is that, the scripture of that parable that we talked about earlier. He says, the Lord said unto him, well done. Well done. I want to hear that, folks. I want to hear that. Well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. You see, the ability to rule is experienced in the journey, not in the accomplishment. Isn't that cool? I mean, he's not saying what you do. He's saying how... How did you journey? How did you arrive to your destination? Not what did you accomplish? I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest us unto me two talents, and behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. For thou hast been faithful over a few things, I will make thee ruler 
over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our what? Enter now into the joy of the Lord. Where did that joy come from? It came from them walking out their obedience and doing what the Lord had asked of them. And then the joy of the Lord caused strength to arise in them. So my prayer for each of you is that regardless of what you're facing, regardless of the disappointment, regardless of where you are in the journey, whether you're like that water being poured out from one place to the next, wherever you are in that process, know that God is good and He's on your side. And engage Him like He is so that when He speaks, you won't double guess what His motivation is. You'll know right then and there, I can leap into His arms because He's going to carry me where I need to go. God bless you guys.